No, you need to close your 500 tabs, then we'll have better Wi-Fi because you keep freezing and you're fucking buzzy. Of course you have 500 tabs. You're a Sag. I have 500 open, except I'm just in a pile of 5G in New York City so it can cope with my Sag energy. Tulum cannot cope. Tulum cannot cope. And when we were in Tulum together, it could not cope with both of us. Okay. (laughs) I have closed everything. So to anyone listening, obviously, this is the first example that Monica and I are literally the same person. The same person. I'm going to close my VPN. I'm going to close everything. Is that for watching porn so people don't realize what you're... No, that was because I was buying a hair curler from Australia for my Europe trip. So I had to buy it from the Australian website because of the voltage. So no, not for porn. Okay, let's just... Should we do a quick intro of each of us because it's our first episode and then we'll dive straight in. Okay, so my name is Monica Yates. I am a, I sound so cheesy when I say that. Oh, my name is Monica Yates. Um, I am a trauma healer and a feminine embodiment coach and a period whisperer. That's only for women. Um, so I work with men and women. I have my own podcast, Feminine as Fuck. I'm a double stage, rising Gemini, Enneagram 8 generator. There's a lot of energy in the room right now. And uh, I don't want to give too much of an intro because it's just yeah. boring. People can go and check me out if they want to so louise yeah do you founder of the open house podcast and uh yeah big in the mental health space monica and i met each other online and literally i was like (laughs) we're gonna be best friends and thank god monica's boyfriend is like a good guy because most guys would have been like monica i am done like i can't handle you two together this is like too much um we just realized that we have so much to share with the world we are the duo that we always always needed right like the last 30 years like where the fuck were we i mean you weren't alive 30 years ago but whatever (laughs) i mean like 21 years yeah babe 25 we just have so much to share with you guys so yeah you don't need to know much about us all you need to know is that you're gonna fucking love it sorry about the swearing but like it i get like butterflies in my stomach in the best way with you it's like excitement like i'm so excited it's like not nerves it's just a good feeling anyway we're gonna get straight into it because we have so much to talk about but we are gonna keep things to the point gonna deliver so much value today literally so much value so what we're gonna jump on today and discuss is why you bitches keep messaging men could i say that (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. People are going to love this segment. I just can't, we're just going to be blunt. I mean, you have sages here and like, if you don't want blunt advice, then like, don't listen to this episode because we are not going to mother you. We are not going to sugarcoat things. We are going to give you fucking fire to stop you from doing the shitty things that you keep doing and get you out of this stupid behavior where you're in the cycle of like, why aren't there any good men? But at the same time, like you are (laughs) repelling them. Like it is your fault. That's what we're telling you thing out on tiktok and like hundreds of thousands of people watched it and there were all these people being like cool with the victim blaming like cool that we're still doing victim blaming in 2022 i was like no it was me i was attracting and accepting Mm -hmm. that behavior from those men like i mean i was too yeah we all do it but we have to learn and like you and i have like fucking stop doing it but there's so many women that keep doing it because there's just there's confusion right of like independent women like you can ask a man out on a date but then it's also like then they also want a man that leads i'm like you are literally doing the polar opposite like fucking choose if you want to be the leader in your relationship and keep wearing this fucking independent woman crap then you are going to get a feminine man and then stop complaining about it when he doesn't plan dates but if you want a man that is like you be ready by 6 30 i'm surprising you tonight with a whole fucking plan then like you can't text him first yeah we're gonna do that in another episode because otherwise we're gonna go off on a tangent today and we have so much to talk about yeah that. but good point to bring up texting so that's what we're gonna talk about today is that 
why do people constantly need to be texting men? Okay, I see it around me all the time. People are dating constantly, always mm. texting. I have a friend who literally like can't even be on her own. She wants to like FaceTime people constantly. Now I know I'm on the other end of the spectrum, which is like, unless mm-hmm. you are a fucking babe and a legend, I'm going to push you away because like I'm not interested in anything mediocre and also I kind of have that really complex attachment style which is like love me and then as soon as you love me I'm like ooh, like why the fuck are you loving me that's disgusting yeah another episode as well but today we are talking about like that internal (laughs) need when people are constantly looking outside of themselves for something now I think that most people when they are messaging people constantly trying to set up dates etc etc don't even realize where this is coming from so my first question for you is for Mm. the people out there that this is their first insight tiny bit of awareness into oh there's actually something deeper going on here what do you think going on I mean we live in a very avoidant society and what I mean by that is like we don't realize that we're avoiding our internal problems all the time. And I don't want to get like too deep, but like a really basic problem is our nervous systems are so wired all the time, which means that we're constantly looking for external stimulation. And if you have five dudes texting you, you're stimulated all day, which feels good. And and if you don't have that, you're going to get this feeling of like boredom or like life's fucking going backwards or I'm not loved or no one wants me. And it's, we actually are really addicted to like dating these days. And it's becoming a problem because what's happening then is that when people get into healthy situations, they repel it because they're like, my nervous system isn't being activated. And so they're constantly looking for trauma bonds. But on a basic fundamental level, everybody can just look at how wide is my nervous system. If you are constantly going at it all the time, if you are constantly watching really intense TV shows, if you are constantly stressed, doing crazy workouts all the time, no slowing down. It means that you are wiring yourself to be addicted to attention because it is stimulating. And that anytime you don't have that, it's going to elicit this response in your brain if something is wrong and because your brain is like something is wrong your brain is also going to be like right go and fix this and an easy way to go and fix it is to get on a dating app and have 10 guys quote-unquote interested in you so that's the first point from today's episode is that we are all on and we are wired just like people Mm -hmm. on tiktok constantly scrolling it is the most addictive thing we get addicted to these text Mm -hmm. messages coming in from these men from these women whatever Now, the second thing that I want to say here is going into like seeking validation from outside of ourselves, which we Mm -hmm. are not judging. And I, for one, I definitely feel like out of the pair of us, like you, we can get into this as well. I feel like potentially you had less issues with like seeking external validation from outside of yourself. Well, you've known me since I've not needed it anymore, but I used to need it. So since you've known me, I haven't. Like I would say for the past, like really since I started my business, um, so back in like 2018. So I realized that I had this like fake, fake confidence when I was at school and stuff when I was young. I mean, I'm still young, everybody. So I old soul though, so I'm 25. So when I was at school, I was always like the confident girl at school. I didn't give a fuck if someone didn't like me. I didn't care what fucking group I was in. I just wasn't bothered about that stuff. But so I've always had this sense of like, no one can fuck with me. Definitely have always had that. My mom she ingrained it into us as children um, and always made us feel like we were worthy. So for me, my wound was never am I worthy or that I, I'm not loved for instead it was always I'm too much. So I was very confident when I was little, but it was, it was this, it wasn't a deep sense of self-confidence. So I would always actually be wanting validation from men because deep down I wasn't confident and deep down I didn't feel loved by men. So I had more daddy issues than mummy issues. Anyway, um, But what was I going to say? So what happened was I would get my validation from men in very, very unhealthy ways. When I did the work on myself, 
then like that, I all realized it, whatever went away. And I learned how to validate myself. So I didn't need that same sense of validation. But what I want to say is that that didn't mean that I didn't fall into the trap of being addicted to having men texting me. Like I 100%, especially with COVID, like let's be real, COVID really made this even more prominent where during COVID, everybody was on dating apps. Everybody wanted people texting them. And I'm not putting, I'm not inflicting any shame on that because I was in that group too. I'd done all the work on myself, but I just wanted that connection, right? It was an addiction to just wanting some connection and wanting some attention because we were all so isolated. So maybe you used to not have that problem, but now you've slipped into it and you're like, what the fuck's happened? 2020 and COVID happened and the pandemic, like making us all so isolated. But no, Louise, I definitely used to seek validation from men in a very, like I would put myself in very, very bad situations just to get the validation. Now I don't anymore. And I haven't obviously for a while. That's so interesting that I kind of just assumed that you didn't deal with like the things that I dealt with, which is what other people Mm. assume that neither of us has ever dealt with. But actually, because now we do a podcast, we can tell the truth, which is that my whole life has been plagued by a need for external validation from literally everyone around me, whether it's like the men around me, you know, I got myself into like super bad situations, particularly when I used to drink a lot, is that situations I didn't want to be in, situations I couldn't say no to because it's like you feel like you need mm-hmm. their validation and then all of a sudden like, oh shit, I'm validated and I'm in your bedroom and I'm naked and like now I'm in a really fucking, I can't say no because this whole time mm-hmm. I was like searching for your validation. We just went super deep. But yeah, I think it's just good for us to be super honest that no matter who you are, we all at some point have wanted and needed this validation. But the thing... The thing exactly. that I think we need to bring to it is awareness. Because now I look back and I'm like, the mm-hmm. men that I was seeking validation from, like, oh my God, why was I ever seeking validation from you? The more rich you were, the more famous you were, it was mm-hmm. like, oh, the more validated I'd be that you are texting me, that you'd pick me. And now I look back and I'm like, you are not, nothing about you is the type of person that I want near me. It mm-hmm. is not healthy validation. And you're right. Mm-hmm. Validation can be healthy. Like you and me fucking hype each other up like constantly because we love each right. other. And I think that's what your boyfriend does to you as well. Right. So I think that for anyone listening, it's really important to put that awareness on the cycles that you're running. Okay. And to understand that these cycles, yeah. the foundations were set in childhood. They were set by your family. They were set by your relationship with your caregivers, what they taught you consciously or most of the time subconsciously. So Monica said there that she felt Mm -hmm. that she was too much. And it was so interesting when you said that because Mm -hmm. I had this flashback to me. Like I definitely as a kid was like you, like super like confident. And I would always Mm want to be the one putting on the dance shows and I'd be at the front in the middle. Right. Like you were just so the same like that. And I had this memory that came back to me that was obviously like stored in my body somewhere, which I hadn't thought about in a very, very long time, which was that I just remember there was this moment when I was like putting on a show and I just, I just felt, it was like a moment where I just felt like I'm being too much. Like I'm the one that's the Mm. the focal like point of this. And I think that the adults were thinking like, oh, what about all those other fucking kids in the background that like Louise has literally been ignoring (laughs) for the last 20 minutes. And so like, that's so interesting to hear that your story is that you you felt like you were too much. And I, my situation was that I felt that I was not enough. And that's because of my own Mm. limited relationship with my dad who love him dearly, like very Mm -hmm. limited communication wise and affection wise. And I think as a child, my little inner child set up this story, which was just like, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. Otherwise you tell me you love me more or you 
pick me up and hug me and all this stuff. You know what? I agree with that, Louise. Like I felt like I was too much, but then when it came to my dad, I was always wanting my dad's love and validation. So I would get it through other men in a healthy way. So it was like I was too much, but I wanted to feel like I was enough and validated by my dad. I always felt like yes. that for my mom, but it was more for my dad because he was when I was I'm the eldest and I grew up in New York and he worked at Macquarie Bank and he was always working, always in the office. And um like they had a chef and everything in the office. So like there was no reason for these corporate guys to come home besides their kids or their wife. They could stay, they could sleep in the office. Like it was easy for them. And if you're working and you want to make money, you know, and generally if you're the eldest kid, like your parents are still in the situation of we need to make a living. It's really interesting. I've talked to my siblings about it and my sister has net does not have any of the wounds that I have. I'm like, do you ever feel like the abandonment wound come up of like, you feel like someone's going to abandon you? And Annabelle's like, what the fuck? No, I've never had that, Monica. And I'm like, that is so interesting because of course, as a young child, she always had me and my brother around. So she was never alone. So she never felt like she was going to be abandoned because she has bigger siblings, like older siblings. And it's interesting when you look at that dynamic of where you were born and the family of how it relates. Because also like, if you have older brothers, and especially if they're like very in their healthy masculine and they protect you, you will feel like it's a lot safer to be a woman and you will feel like men protect you and you will have less of those stories around men. But if you're like the oldest one, it's just very different, like how the dynamics that play out. That is fascinating because I'm also the oldest child, you know, not surprised, like we are literally the same mm. person and my brother <laughs> has like none of the fucking emotional baggage that I have. I have so much. Yeah. It's like, doesn't and I think that is so fascinating for what you're saying about like we both felt like we were too much but for the one like man in our life we felt like we weren't enough and my dad also was like very successful mm-hmm. hedge fund lawyer like really like worked all the time so it's actually yeah. the same and I think that going yeah. back to like look at your childhood because same for me with my mom like I always felt like I was more than enough I knew how much she loved me how much she was proud of me she always said like you can do anything you mm-hmm. want to be a stripper you want to be a lawyer like whatever it is I'm proud of you and I always say that yeah. my mom's the one that like because people are like, you're so confident. And I'm like, yeah, I am. But I always say that mm-hmm. my mom is the one that like fucking hyped me up to be like, you can be whatever you want to be. And my dad was the one that like yeah. didn't say anything, but just kind of like pulled that like, ooh, just like going to bring mm-hmm. you back down to earth a bit and then just give you a little bit of a wound that actually you're not lovable or good enough. Yeah, love it. So on the text that you were sending me about like, you can be your own red flag. Let's yeah. jam on that with like the TikTok that went viral of yours last night. Also like congrats on that fucking vibes. Okay, yeah. being your own red flag. I mean, I literally have been my own red flag for as long as I can know. I was the red flag. Let's just look back at my relationships, okay? I was in an abusive relationship for four years with a guy that I stayed with because he was so hot and he was so good in bed. Perfect. Like didn't, mm. didn't like take note of the fact that when he put his hands around my neck and told me that he was going to kill me, that that was maybe like a, a red flag. The next boyfriend went to prison. So pretty sure that mm. I was like a red flag in accepting that behavior. And then the third yep. boyfriend, the most recent one was, it, he was deeply transformative and taught me the beauty of non-judgment and true love and all of that. But from the beginning, there was just very obvious red flags. I was mm. so much more ambitious than him. I made so much more money. So I have been my own red flag for as long as I can remember because I sought out and accepted that behavior. So let's talk about that. Mm. Like for me, it was that I've always seen men as a challenge and that probably ties back to my dad, which is I have this like long standing mm-hmm. thing, which for the first time ever with this guy I'm dating now, I'm not doing, which is why I know that I'm, I've healed those wounds to some extent. But mm-hmm. for me, it was always, okay, I'm going to pick the guy and I'm going to make you fall in love with me. And like, 
That is really fucked mm. up. A lot of girls do that though. A lot of women think they can change a man. And they can't. If he says he doesn't want a relationship, like, or if he doesn't want kids, like, the fact that you are being like, oh, the kid could change his mind. I'm like, wow, like, you have got no fucking boundaries within yeah, yourself. That's so true. Like, also, you want someone and deserve someone who's going to worship and adore you for exactly who you are and what you want rather than like, correct, change them. And taking that one step further, I also have spent a lifetime teaching men how to love me. And now, this is what I love about you and your boyfriend mm. is that. When we were together in Tulum, I was just like, this man is amazing. He is so respectful. He's in his masculinity. He also has mm-hmm. those feminine, like, empath traits. I didn't think it was possible, to be honest, for you to have a really masculine guy and also, like, an empath. Because, of course, we paint this picture of masculinity of this, like, six foot 100, really, really, like, alpha male, huge muscles, tattoos, controlling, really aggressive. And he's not like that. He's masculine in all the ways that is, like, true, like, leads, directs. But then the empath, I didn't realize how important that was to me because I'm such an empath. And the empath has really helped, like, our communication, our intimacy. Like he can read me like a fucking book. He just loves you. Like he knows how to communicate. Yes. He knows how to love. I've spent a lifetime of teaching men. Okay, babe, subtly. I never say like, oh, I need you to do this. It's just if he did something that didn't mm. feel good for me, I'd respond like, hmm. And if he did something that was good, it would be like, oh, I would subtly manipulate people to love me in the way that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So it then got to the point that they basically worshipped me and adored me, but I kind of manipulated them mm. to get. Whereas I look at your mm-hmm. boyfriend and I'm like, he worships mm. and adores you, but there ain't no manipulation going on there. I fucking love that. In the beginning days of us dating, we traveled a lot. So I was tired a lot and I was leaving Atlanta one morning. It was like 6 a.m. The flight was canceled the night before and I phoned him, like, I'm not joking, like 17 times. I have a full on meltdown. Like, I'm talking hanging up on him, him phoning me back, me crying, hyperventilating, yelling at the airport. Not at him. It was like at the situation. And it was that mo- that was like a moment where I was like, this is like going to be a real test. Is he going to fucking stay? Because I have just gone crazy batshit. Like I could not control my emotions. Like that happens very rare for me. But when I am that fucking tired and that overwhelmed, I will just break. And my emotion, I go into yeah. like blackout and just become emotional. I remember in that moment and the day after being like, I feel a whole new level of safety with him because if I can behave like that at 6 a.m. in the morning, then I know that like, it would it would take a lot to break us. Do you know what I mean? Because I've gone batshit crazy and he's totally accepted it, not a big deal, brushed it off. Like how safe does that make you feel in a relationship when you are fully yourself and you are loved and accepted? I love that, that as well because it ties back to that childhood wound you had, which was that you're too much, right? And then in that moment, mm-hmm. it was overwhelming and you were triggered and dysregulated. But in that moment, you weren't too much because you were just exactly the way you were in that moment. No. And he was there and he held space for you. And that is really Mm. so beautiful and I think the kind of goals that we should all be accepting or looking for in our relationships which is that for Monica it's like a fear of being too much for me it's like a fear of not being Mm. enough and also with a side of being too much because the guy that I'm dating right now Mm -hmm. he's like so calm like so grounded Mm -hmm. like just so so calm and stable it's so beautiful like energetically Mm -hmm. for my nervous system just everything it is isn't it the, the best? best but it makes me also sometimes feel like i okay this is actually quite funny i don't know if i told you this so i asked him i was oh. like <laughs> I, asked, I asked him <laughs> what is your favorite thing about me okay and i was to say something mm. really cute like 
you're like so cute, you're so sexy, like, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever that yeah. external validation was that I was obviously looking for in that moment. Yeah. Okay, we do have a language yeah. barrier. He's Mexican, which sometimes means that answers are like yeah. hilarious. And like, I'm like, okay, that's Love like it. not what I was expecting. But he said, my favorite thing yeah. about you is how much you talk. Oh my God. But isn't, I yeah, love that, what, Louise. That's what I, mean. I instantly was like, oh my God, I'm too much. I'm too much. I'm too much. And then he explained mm. it and he was like, it's the best thing ever. Like being with you, you are so charismatic. Everything's fun. Everything's an adventure. You want to talk about everything, mm-hmm. share everything. That's yeah. polarity. Louise, like that, like that is, that is, when we're talking about polarity, that's why opposites attract. I could not be with someone that was like also really extroverted, wanted to be out all the time because it would be, it would, it would, the relationship would feel like too much. But like me being with my boyfriend, he's the same. He's so grounded, so chill, so cool, calm and collected. And he loves how much I am. Before we had breakfast, all of us together, I was like, just so you know, like we are two peas in a pod. Like it's going to be a lot of energy. And he said to me during it, you were there and after it, after it, how much he loved it. He was like, I fucking loved it. You guys are just so energetic, so amazing. And I think I said to him something about like, do you ever feel like I'm too much something rather than it? He literally was just like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Absolutely not. He loved how much we were vibing and how intense the energy was. And that is when someone can really appreciate like the opposite. And instead of being like, everything has to be the same, that is someone that is mature and that can appreciate how much a different personality adds to their life. I appreciate his groundedness and his calmness because it adds to my life and we balance each other. So right. That is literally crazy. This polarity thing is amazing because when I started dating him, I just felt like oh my goodness, like he's too calm for me and I'm too, I'm too mm. like hyped up. But then yesterday I asked him, because you know, I'm learning so much from him. Like I'm learning to love with, he, mm-hmm. he communicates less than me. So I'm learning to love with my heart rather than with my mouth. I'm learning to accept mm-hmm. love rather than need to hear love. All these different things. And I mm-hmm. said to him, what do you think that I'm teaching you? What lesson do you think you are learning from me right now? And he was like, the fact that life should be fun and should be an adventure and that I need to enjoy it more. And mm. I was like, yes, because he is grounded and safe and stable, but also he's open to being like, yeah, actually like life can be more fun. Cause I say to him like, life is so fun mm-hmm. when I met him. And he was like, no, it's not like sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's shit and it's hard for people. And I was like, no, it's like fun all the time. Like, why can't we have fun all the time? And then obviously I get overexcited like a child and then I calm down and I'm like, no, you're right. Actually, it's not fun all the time. Yeah. And actually, like, I've never experienced this, which is like maybe similar to you, is that I, like, the only thing, okay, there's a lot of other things that feel better than this, if I'm honest. The one, the one thing that feels so good is when he puts his hand on my chest and it's he just oh. like calms my nervous system. Oh you my are god! So sexy, and you are so calm, and you are so good for me. And I've never been that. That is a good relationship. I'm used to a man that's just like fucking high energy and stress and like fucking hectic mm. sex life. And we have the most passionate sex life. And I mean, I know that you do as well. We need to get mm. into sex and intimacy, but we'll do that another time. We definitely it's like do. Yeah, almost that safety. That is how you know when you're in a safe relationship where someone can just literally touch you and you just feel so safe, so supported, so held, so loved. And like, but at the same time, you can have, at the same time, you also can have like the best fucking sex of your life. Like that doesn't mean that you have vanilla sex with that person all the time, but we'll do a whole other episode on that. Okay. But coming back to the red flag. So like, are you your own red flag? 
like constantly texting and dating. I want to just quickly mention with the red flag thing about like, are you your own red flag? When it comes to dating, the biggest red flag is when we ignore the red flags. And that is what tells me that you are the red flag because you are ignoring the red flag. So you are the red flag. Like he's not the red flag because he's just being him. You're the red flag because you're ignoring things that you shouldn't be ignoring. So as soon as there's a red flag and then you ignore it or, you know, you give yourself some stupid fucking excuse about it, you become the red fucking yes. flag. That is like the ultimate the red flag. you explain away their behavior and you accept it, you are the red flag. And yeah. that's why I'm obsessed with the concept of attachment hunger, because it's that you are so desperate for someone to choose you, pick you, love you, talk to you, validate you, touch you, whatever that might be, that you will overlook stuff just so you can have connection with someone at the expense of being on your own. And that connection attachment hunger is Mm -hmm. to someone that is not right for you, right? Because you are overlooking the red flags and you are right. When you do that, you are the red flag because you are ignoring and allowing the behavior that you should know better about. Mm -hmm. We're not preaching here. Like we're not saying, oh, we've healed from this. Like now we can talk about it because it feels fucking good, right? When you are taught young age and Mm. your brain is wired to feel like you have to earn love fight for love and you get dopamine hits and all the chemical hits that come up it feels fucking good to ignore those red flags to chase someone to get them to pick you and choose you but to not be the red flag you need to be aware of what you are attracting what you are accepting and what you are enabling and that is where I think mm-hmm. that people have to start. And I think you have to go back to your childhood to work out what did I learn about love and how is it showing up in adult? Right. And then it also requires, it also takes a lot of discipline. Like I get questions all the time of like, I, why am I still attracting in this kind of man? Well, because you keep entertaining it when it comes in. It takes a lot of discipline and a lot of guts to say no. It is so much harder to say no to someone than to go on a little bit of a roller coaster and deal with a little bit of a mini hop. It takes serious self-boundaries, serious discipline, and serious commitment to yourself to actually want this. And I also just want to say that like, let's not beat around the bush. Whilst our childhood can cause us to have certain trauma around relationships and therefore we bring them into our current relationships, I also want to mention that your past dating history can cause you trauma that you bring into your now relationship as well. And so it's like, if you want to get into a healthy relationship, I, like you need to be committed to um, actually wanting that and not yeah, tolerating less. Yeah, you have to be less. the one to break your cycles. So I basically met the guy that I'm dating now at the same time or just after I'd also met someone else, but they were the polar opposites mm-hmm. of each other. Like one was like sexy, so inconsistent, like bit of a bad boy edge, a little bit more avoidant, sold me a dream, like really like got my nervous system revved up, the dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my God. And then I met the other guy and it was like, the second that he met me, he took me out straight away. You know, the other guy was saying, let's go for dinner this week. He never mm-hmm. took me for dinner. Then I meet the other guy and it's like, the next night we're going for dinner. So consistent, everything. And in that moment, I'm going to be honest with you. The first guy felt more exciting for me because it activated every mm-hmm. single wound chemistry, schema chemistry that I have ever had. But now I have the awareness and I actively chose the second guy. And I am so proud of myself. I am so glad. I'm proud of you. The first time I've ever really broken that cycle. I am literally obsessed with him. Mm. I have opened my heart after being so heartbroken. He is helping me to trust again, to love again, to feel again, to be worshipped again, all of these things. Now, 
he lives in Mexico and I live in London. It's not the biggest issue in the world. Like we can make that work for sure. But on the off chance that this is not a forever thing because for whatever reason, I have already taken so much from this beautiful partnership. And I think that, yeah, my final point before we wrap this up is that we are all looking for our person, right? We are all looking for our person. Like, let's not pretend we're not. We all are. And I get that. And that's okay. okay. I agree. That's okay. But like you said, relationships can also be transformative, even if they're not forever. Like right Mm -hmm. now, I'm in something that feels so fucking good for me. So you are right. Like, Yes, Mm -hmm. date and look for that person. Don't settle. Don't ignore the red flags. But if you find yourself in a healthy relationship that you're learning from, that you're feeling deeply into, I think it's fucking beautiful to stay in that rather than being like, you're not the person onto the next one. I think a lot of our energy also implies to people that if he's not the one, move on. And I think that actually, right, like, Mm -hmm. yes, okay, of course, if he's clearly not the one, move on. But also be compassionate and gentle for yourself in the moment that maybe this guy is teaching you something. Because I know that if this guy is not the one, that he is opening me up for the one. Like, he is teaching. Correct. And like Louise, I can so see even like if this doesn't, you know, end up being forever with this guy, I can see it being like a beautiful ending where you guys stay friends and he's a really special person in your life because he's helped you heal. And like, you know, relationships can help you heal. Like we can talk about that in another episode, but like even just with my boyfriend, I'm like, I feel like I've healed things that I didn't, that I didn't know were still there. And, and the reason why this is, is because the reality is, is that we cannot heal everything alone. Like you can do all the somatic work, all the fucking therapy, all the fucking, like whatever, you can do it all, but new wounds and, and wounds will come up in different ways when you are in a relationship with somebody and you need that relationship and that container to then heal them in that way. So I am all for dating around. I am all for like doing it consciously, obviously. So being aware of what you're doing and having a purpose for it and being like, you know, not getting stuck on the high, all that kind of stuff. And I am all for meeting different people. And I did it before I met him. I really, like I, you know, I've had three boyfriends before I met him. And then I had like a two and a half year, maybe three year period of like shorter things, right? Like three months, you know, like, like more casual kind of dating and just like, like whatever casual dating. And I'm glad that I did that because I learned a lot about myself, a lot about men, a lot about the kind of men that I want to be with. But in doing all of that, you still need to have all the self-respect, all the self-boundaries. Like you can't let that shit go out the window. Otherwise you are going to decrease your self-worth and you are going to get yourself into sticky situations, which you, and you're going to actually fuck your relationship up with men because you're going to be engaging in shitty things. And then you're not going to attract in a good man because you're going to have a really distorted view of men. And I think final point for me is that people feel like they can't date until they've healed. And that was me, right? I was so heartbroken. I closed Mm. down. I didn't even realize it. But what I've learned is that the vibration of love, like physically, is higher than anything, right? It can literally heal all of the trauma that we're holding in our bodies. And sexual energy is so healing. Like, I wonder why people Mm -hmm. cry sometimes when they have sex. It's because we are opening up wounds that we have literally suppressed. And sometimes that act is the thing that can bring it to the surface so our body can then process it and release it outwards. So... Oh my God, we need to talk about that on our sex episode. Maybe we should do that our next one of like how sex can heal you because I have so much to say on that topic. Just to like give people a little like nugget of what to look forward to. I am like super into like kinky BDSM, like choke me, bruise me, like we're the same in that aspect. But when I first started dating my boyfriend, 
we, and actually we ended up being like girlfriend, boyfriend, like two weeks in. So it was like zero to a hundred because when you know, you fucking know, right? I, he like couldn't believe I was into that stuff because I could not do it with him. Because Not because I didn't feel safe, but because, but because I was so connected to him that I couldn't have sex the way that I'd had sex with other guys. Like I needed to see him. I needed to feel him from the get go. It was always making love. And only now are we able to like do doggy and like that kind of stuff because there is, there is an intense amount of trust and love. And we've surpassed all of that, that we can now have that really dirty sex again. Like I used to have, but in the beginning we joked about, we would have the most vanilla sex and it was the best sex of our fucking lives. We wouldn't even finish. It was the best sex in my life and it was fucking missionary. And it's just like, we need a jam on this because the sex itself has been such a healing experience in healing my sexual trauma in whole new layers, healing my trust. Let's do this as the next episode because literally everything you've just said there Mm -hmm. is like everything that I've been going through the last like two weeks. I don't even want to get fucked. I want to just be close to you. I love it. Yeah. No, next week's going to be deep physically and metaphorically. <laughs> oh my God, I'm excited. I've got like fanny flutters and butterflies in my stomach. I can't wait. Um, okay. And just so everyone knows, we will put our links below so that you can follow Louise on Instagram and me on Instagram. Links to all of like links to our opposing podcasts as well, depending where you're listening, so that you can listen to each other's content because you've got amazing episodes. I've got great episodes. There's so much content that you guys can start to yeah, absorb through perfect. both of us. We don't actually have any overlap in our content. Mine is very mental health health psychology and yours is very much trauma healing like sensuality feminine stuff yeah correct it's perfect love it so monica yates i love correct. you correct and i will talk to you soon i fucking love you louise thank you everybody you. bye